please join me if you have your Bible in the last chapter, chapter 28 of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus of Nazareth. Genesis chapter 3, God speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will bruise his Now, you can imagine the serpent striking the heel of a person. And as the serpent is striking the heel, the heel of a person, guess what does they strike a poison that is put into the system of that person. But at the very moment that is happening, the serpent's head is crushed. What injects the poison actually breaks his power. It is lethal to him. When Jesus went to the cross, who engineered that? It says in John's gospel, yes, God. But what did God do? God suckered Lucifer into being the instrument that he used to put his son on the cross that would then break Lucifer's power. It says in John's Gospel that Judas, who had already initiated the, pro initiated the process of betraying Jesus, that when Jesus said to, when he said to the apostles, one of you will betray me, and across the table, Peter motions to John, who is reclining in front of Jesus. They're reclining on divans around this table. Who is it? Find out who it is. And John leans back on Jesus' chest, and he says, Who is it, Lord? It is the one to whom I will give the morsel. And he dips it, and he gives it to the person in the place of the guest of honor. Jesus is the host. The person on the host's left is the guest of honor. He gives it to the guest of honor, Judas Iscariot, who as he swallows it, it says Satan entered him. And then Jesus sent him out. What you do, do quickly. And he went out and completed his role in the betrayal of Jesus. And so Lucifer engineered the crucifixion of Jesus, but how did that work out for him? What was his power that he had, that he had inflicted upon the human race? He had brought upon Adam and Eve and every one of their descendants the guilt of our sin. And there was no that was a problem that we could not solve. All the sacrifices we might make of ourselves or animals, of time, of wealth, could not satisfy 
the justice demanded by the holy God. But God sent his son. God the Father sent God the Son to become a man, true God true God of true God, true man of true man, joined together in one person. And Jesus is, as John the Baptist put it, the Lamb of God, that Passover Lamb, I would dare say in their history, millions of Passover Lambs had been sacrificed. They were simply a prophetic foreshadowing of what that one Lamb would do when nailed to the cross and his own father judged him for our sins my God my God why have you forsaken me and then he said it is finished the sin debt of the human race is paid and that completely frees his holy father to forgive sinners of every kind Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath. As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. Stop. What does this man, what does this angel look like? He's flashing lightning. He's dressed in white. The Roman guards fainted. And he says to the women, don't be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Ladies, For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The strange thing, folks, is that Jesus, now it's not so strange if you give it some thought, but Jesus has said repeatedly to his disciples and obviously to others, I will go to Jerusalem. I will be betrayed into the hands of the Jewish elders, the leadership, I will be crucified, but I will be raised on the third day. Day one is the crucifixion day itself. Day two is the Sabbath day that they've just waited. And this is the third day. I will be raised the third day. But they're not there because they think Jesus has been raised. They haven't come looking for an empty tomb. They've come looking for a Somehow, the message, I would say divinely, they will, oh, yes, he did tell us that. Why is there a guard there? Because the Jewish leadership heard it. And they went to Pilate. 
And they said, you know that deceiver? He said that he was going to rise the third day. And so we want you to post a guard around the tomb to keep that carcass inside the tomb. And, put, and they sealed it. They, here's the, the, the door's been closed. The stone's been rolled in place. They sealed it with a Roman seal. These Roman soldiers are there. If that seal is broken, they are to be executed. They lose their lives if that seal is broken. The seal is broken. The angel comes. They faint. When they came to themselves, when they regained consciousness, what did they do? They went to the Jewish leadership. We saw an angel. His body is gone. And what did the Jewish leadership do? Oh, well, we will secure your lives with Pilate. We'll make sure you're not executed. But you tell everybody this story, that while we slept, they're to guard the tomb. Are they supposed to sleep? They're not supposed to sleep. While we slept, his disciples came, rolled the stone away, broke it, breaking the seal, and stole his butt. Well, if you were asleep, how do you know what happened? <laughs> well, what happened? What? It's a stupid story, but it's all they've got. And the women are coming there, not expect, they're expecting to find a carcass. Because God had plugged their ears. Yes, they could remember later that he had said this to them, but they're not to, they're not to operate in that expectation until it actually occurs. His enemies had the expectation, but they didn't. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that convicting? How many of these promises <laughs> scares Satan to death and we just take them lightly? He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you, assignment accomplished. You will see him, see him, evidence. We use our eyes, we listen with our ears, we feel with our hands, we smell, we taste. These five senses are what in a courtroom the judge and the jury want to hear. They don't want our conclusion, they want our, what did we see? And the apostle, same apostle John who is one of those who would give testimony, says in 1 John chapter 1, that which our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That's what we're declaring to you. Christianity stands absolutely alone in pointing to evidence. Absolutely alone. It's striking to me that I understand that the Buddha, not long before he died, he's, he's walking along and he's got these followers. And he actually turned to his followers and said, 
Why are you following me? I don't know anything. <laughs> but they do follow him even today. And so we have men who were Buddhist Buddha worshipers whom Jesus awoke, like Seton Lee, who has spoken in this church. His grandparents ran the Buddhist temple. His parents and grandparents were some of the wealthiest people in Cambodia. They were one of the wealthiest families in Cambodia when Pol Pot took over. His grandparents were shot right in front of him. There was a big, the, the, the Buddhist temple that they ran was filled with people because for once a year they brought out the statue of the Buddha, the idol, and they, wa they bathed in it. And it was that day. And that's when Pol Pot's troops came storming in and killed his grandparents right in front of him and a whole lot of these other people, and they arrested him. And he was in that prison for almost five years. When they discovered his academic records. Now, when he went into that camp, here's a statue of the Buddha right there at the doorway of the, of the prison camp. And they were each given a hammer. They were to strike that Buddha statue with a hammer. And Seton said he thought when he did that, he would be struck dead, and nothing happened. And it's just... That shocked him that he didn't die on the spot. And it was almost five years later, they had discovered his academic records. He's too well-educated to allow him to live. And so he's in a line of young men who are having their heads smashed in. And he looked down the row and he decided, Buddha's not getting me out of this. So he cried out to the Lord of the universe. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He didn't know who that was. Lord of the universe, save me. And the Lord of the universe heard his cry, and the camp commander walked up and pulled him out of the line. Because he, this peasant commander, had just gotten orders to design and build an irrigation system. Well, I'm just a peasant. I don't know how to do that. Seton, he's educated. He'll know how to do that. This guy's a medical student. He doesn't know how to do that either. But they pulled him out of the line and handed him in a pad and a pencil, and he said, a hand took control of my hand. The Lord of the universe guided his hand, and they built that irrigation system, and it's still in use today. He still didn't know who the Lord of the universe was till six months later when he escaped. He's going through a minefield on the Thai border, hoping to get into a road cr Red Cross camp in Thailand. He's going from carcass to carcass because of all the mines. It's the only safe way through. And what he said could only be called an insane man came running out of the jungle and grabbed him. And said, I want you to know that the Lord of the universe is Jesus Christ. And he hit his knees and cast himself on, upon Christ at that very moment. And then he and that man separated, hoping one of them would get past the hail of bullets from the Thai troops into the Red Cross camp. 
and they both made it in. Seton in about two days, and then a day later, this man and that man was Pastor Paul, and he was the man, he, he was a walking Bible. His memory verses was their Bible. And they started ministry in that camp. But who is the Lord? Who gave Seton the insight Buddha's not getting me out of this? Who governed his hand? Who had that man grab him in the middle of the minefield? He is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! It was only about 36 hours earlier day before yesterday they were weeping as they watched Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea wrap him and put him in the tomb rejoice so they came and held him by the feet and worship they he wasn't just an apparition they held him by the feet in fact, he's going to have to say, and this is recorded in John's Gospel, to Mary Magdalene, okay, Mary, let go, let go. I have to go to my father so I can receive the gift from my father. And then he met the disciples in the upper room and breathed on them the Holy Spirit. He was touchable. He wasn't a spirit. He had risen bodily from the dead. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will, they will, they will see me. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. We will prevent your execution. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Let me ask you, how sinful is the human race? This is the Jewish leadership. Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, they all conspired together. Every single one of these men know what? Jesus rose from the dead. They know it. And what do they do with that information? They try to suppress it. I mentioned a few minutes ago that the day is coming when every member of the human race, the earth will cast out the dead and there will be a welcome into God's own presence 
otherworldly a welcome into the lake of fire. Nobody will be in the lake of fire who didn't choose it. Now, wait a minute, Mark, come on. There are people out there in the world, millions and millions of people never even heard the name of Jesus. Yes, but they had the testimony of God right out of the leaves from the trees and the grass, all the wonderful things. And did they pursue that creator? No, they worshiped the fallen angels, the demons, the local sprites and fairies. Another man who we know, Ernest Ihabe from Cameroon, was raised in a pagan house. When he was a little boy, his mother took him to the local witch doctor. Now, God already had, unknown to Ernest, he had never heard the gospel, already had his hand on Ernest, and that witch doctor recoiled. This man has, this, this boy has a different spirit on him. I don't want to have, don't you bring him back around me again. But it was not until he was in his early teen years that Ernest heard the gospel and ran to Jesus. God is God is God is God everywhere and every way. Anyone who has earnestly turned their heart towards him, even, not, even though he was the unknown God to them, the unknown God disclosed himself. And when we get into God into Jesus' kingdom, we are going to be blown away when we hear of the accounts of how Jesus disclosed himself and disclosed himself and disclosed himself to people that we thought couldn't possibly have ever truly been exposed to God's truth. If you responded to that testimony in nature, he was just as adamant about disclosing himself to you in his saving person, in his mercy, as to anyone else. And yet, here were men in the Jewish leadership who knew what was true and suppressed it. Suppressed the one who was the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham. And yet they claimed for themselves, they wrapped themselves in a mantle of religiosity. So much so that even as they stood before Jesus' cross, what did Annas and Caiaphas say? He saved others. Himself he cannot save. They knew what he So those Roman soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, when they saw him, when they saw him, that which your eyes have seen, we declare to you. 
they worshipped him. They worshipped him. But some doubted. How could... Honestly, folks, I mean, we read that and we say, oh, come on. What do you mean they doubt it? Let me ask you a question. If you were in their place, you mean I'm one of that select 11 that the creator of the universe has called into the direct fellowship with his son? I don't think they doubted because of what they were seeing, I think they doubted because they thought, I can't possibly be that much of an object of mercy and of grace. Nobody, I was just a fisherman. What are you talking about? I'm a nobody. The God who discloses himself in this book specializes in taking the disqualified never could possibly be qualified. The unqualified and qualified ones. That's how good he is at this mercy and grace thing and power thing. Notice they worshipped him. What does that tell you they think about him? If they don't understand that he's God, then that's blasphemy. They know who he is. He is God the Son. And Jesus came and spoke to them, eye gate, ear gate, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's why even in remote places in India where the Jesus film is about to be shown and the crowd of over 50 is gathered with their rocks and their clubs and they are charging, they're going to stop this. Jesus imposes his authority and stops them dead in their tracks. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Yes, the Gentiles. Yes, those people that the Jewish leadership tried to say were unqualified, disqualified, and they are really insulted because in the beginning of, John, of Matthew's gospel, what has happened? These magi, these, these Gentiles from the Mesopotamian Valley came and said, Hey, we saw the star of your Messiah two years ago when we were in, in, in where, is it, where is he? All the way through Matthew's Gospels. And the people from Syria are coming, and these Gentiles are coming, and the Syrophoenician woman, and here's this woman. Take it to all the nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is, incidentally, the single most important verse on the doctrine of the Trinity. The name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God is a triune God. He is one God, three persons. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. They are not disqualified or unqualified to do the very things I've called you to do. I have called them to do them as well. And behold, lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wherever you go, I am there. I will be there to meet you. Even to the end of the age. I have no limitations of place or of time. I am a Lord everywhere at all times. Folks, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, we have events as those who have entrusted ourselves to God's mercy to be carried out through Christ. We have events that we can point to. We have places that we can go and say, that happened here, and it was an event. When Jesus was placed on the cross, it was an event that actually had an eternal consequence. I am, I, Mark, am welcome in the presence of a holy God because of what Jesus of Nazareth, his son, did for me on a cross. He took sin's penalty in my place. I deserved to be nailed to that cross. He took my place on it, and then he said, it is finished. It's paid in full. I have paid his debt. And the debt of the entire human race, the sin debt that perfectly frees our holy God to forgive us with gladness. With gladness. That's called good news gospel. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we are so thankful that Christianity isn't wishful thinking. It's not a hope so. It's a no so. It is an absolutely firm no so. We can walk up to that empty tomb and it's still empty. And you are coming again as you declare, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And at the end of this age, I will be with you and I will welcome you. I will usher you into a new age of unrestrained glory. We give you thanks that we can worship you and rejoice in you. And it is so firm and so real. And we can, as that man did with Jeffrey and as he did with Epilese, and we can pull out a cross and hold it before someone and say, here, let me tell you what this means. And it's a real promise. We ask that this week, each one of us here, 
will not only have the opportunity to do a similar thing, but that you will remind us that you are with us and that you created the opportunity and that we will, as an act of obedience, step through that door and tell the truth about you to someone else who needs to know. We ask this of you, good shepherd, Jesus. Amen.